Good morning. Welcome to Christ United Methodist Church. My name is Rick Shul. I'm the pastor here, and I am so glad you are here this morning. We are blessed this morning with some good weather, some good company, and a good God. I'm so glad you're here to worship with us this morning. If this is your first time worshiping with us, just a couple of things you need to know. We are people that are passionate about God. We are welcoming and inclusive of absolutely everyone, and we feel compelled by the love of Christ to make a difference in this world. I think you'll fit in nicely. In your rows, you'll find attendance registration forms. We ask that you and everyone fill those out. Helps us get to know you a little bit better. Also gives you a way to reach out to us if there's anything that you need. Well, I don't like to uh, prolong worship, so we're going to get straight to singing. So I invite you to stand, greet your neighbor, and then remain standing for worship. Streams 
of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise teach me so melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above praise the mount I'm fixed upon it mount of thy redeeming love I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy help I come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he rests danger interposed his precious blood oh to grace how great a debtor daily i'm constrained to be let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee prone to children's message. Come on up, kids. Yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, Ian. What's, what's up? Duke. Perfect. Good morning, everybody. Everybody say good morning. Thank you. Have you guys ever been camping? Raise your hand if you've been camping before. You guys have been camping. Have you been camping, Ian? Maybe? Camping? What's your favorite thing to do when you go camping? Anybody, anybody got any ideas? Sports? S'mores. S'mores. Marshmallows. Yeah. That's the best, right? You know what? I just went camping this week. Did you know that? I went to the coast. And we, uh, you know, it's been so dry and hot all summer long that we didn't even think to look at the weather. And it rained the whole time we were camping. <laughs> And you know what my favorite thing to do when we go camping is? You guys want to guess? Anybody want to know? Yeah. My favorite thing to do is when it's dark out and when it's nighttime and you're, when you're far away from any city lights, looking up and seeing the stars. Of course, I couldn't do that at all this week because it was raining. <laughs> but when you go out that far and you go away from the city and you look up and you see the stars, there are so many stars. Have you ever thought to try to count some of the stars? Could you imagine how many, how many stars do you think there are? How many stars do you? 1,000? 1,000? That's a good number. How many stars do you think there are? Yeah. One? There's one. <laughs> There's one big close one. 
Let me tell you how many stars there are. We live in a galaxy called the Milky Way. Everybody say Milky Way. It's a cluster of stars. Our sun is one of them. And in the Milky Way, there is 100 times 1,000 times 1 million stars. Can you imagine how many? That's like, if you think about a number with the one with 11 zeros behind it. That's how many stars are in our galaxy. That's a lot of stars. But that's not all the stars there are because there's a lot of galaxies. Do you know how many galaxies there are? Yeah. Tons. Of just the galaxies that we can see, there is 100 times 1,000 times 1 million galaxies. Can you imagine that? That's so many stars. And, and if, you, if, you, yeah, if you counted up all those stars from all those galaxies, it's a number that I can't even get my mind wrapped around. It's a one with like 26 zeros behind it. Come on up, my children. Come on up. Hey, guys. We're talking about stars. We're talking about camping. Come on up. Take a seat. So there is one with 26 zeros behind it. That's how many stars there are that we can see. Isn't that incredible? That's a huge number. In our story that we've been following along, there's a guy named Abraham. Everybody say Abraham. Abraham, and he's starting to have some questions about God. God said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to do incredible things through you. Abraham says, how can this be? Because I don't even have any children. And God says, Abraham, come on out here. Let's go look at the stars. He says, look up. See all the stars. That's how many children, how big your family will be. I promise you. And God made Abraham dream big about what his life was going to do. God says to you and me, dream big about what you can do in your life. Dream so big. Dream, your dreams and what God's going to do through you is going to be more than the stars that you can see. Let's say a word of prayer, okay, everybody? Let's close our hands together. Say, dear Jesus, and thank you for the stars. Thank you for big dreams. Thank you for my life. And thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, you guys can head to the nursery or children's church. Follow your helpers. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Let's hear that scripture from uh, Genesis chapter 15. It goes like this. After these events, the, Lord, the Lord's word came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I am your protector. Your reward will be very great. But Abram said, Lord God, what can you possibly give me since I still have no children? The head of my household is Eleazar, a man from Damascus. He continued, since you haven't given me any children, the head of my household will be my heir. The Lord's word came immediately to him. This man will not be your heir. Your heir will definitely be your very own biological children. Then he brought Abraham outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars if you think you can count them. He continued, this is how many children you will have. Abram trusted the Lord and the Lord recognized Abram's high moral character. He said to Abram, 
I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. But Abram said, Lord God, how do I know that I will actually possess it? He said, bring me a three-year-old female calf, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a dove, and a young pigeon. He took all of these animals, split them in half, and laid the, laid the halves facing each other, but he didn't split the birds. When the vultures swooped down on the carcasses, Abram waved them off. After sunset, Abram slept deeply. A terrifying and deep darkness settled over him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Have no doubt that your descendants will live as immigrants in a land that isn't their own, where they will be oppressed slaves for 400 years. But after I punish the nation they serve, they will leave it with great wealth. As for you, you will join your ancestors in, in peace and be buried after a good long life. The fourth generation will return here since the Amorites' wrongdoing won't have reached its peak until then. After the sun had set and darkness had deepened, a smoking vessel with a fiery flame passed between the split open animals. That day the Lord cut a covenant with Abram to your descendants I give this land, from Egypt's river to the great Euphrates. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Amen.
we worship together as a community that holds each other together, that prays and lifts each other up. And so when we gather and we pray together, we want to know what's going on. We want to hear what God is doing in your lives, how you're celebrating. We want to celebrate with you, and we want to pray with you as well. The concerns and the struggles you're going through, we are with you. So we pass around a couple of microphones, and uh, if you have a joy or a concern you'd like to share with the congregation, go ahead and give a raise of a hand, and we'll get over to you. Let's go, Karen. Hi. Uh, last week, I prayed for some help getting some uh, chores done with uh, contacting people and uh, seeing where they were. And I did do that Sunday afternoon. And I were, there were two people that were on my list. And I did contact them. And I also contacted a third. I would ask prayers for my friend's daughter, uh, who is going to have some... Um, a biopsy, oh no, she had the biopsy, but she's gonna have a lumpectomy done. And that was one of the persons that I called for. So thank you for your prayers. And I've got a couple more things to do this week. So we'll see if God and I are on a roll. All right. <laughs> Tom. Yeah, Tom, Callan, I have a joy to share this morning. <laughs> uh, after a very arduous five-hour operation on Wednesday, uh, Karen's cancer was completely debulked, as it's oh. called, and uh, yeah. she's, she still has to go through about three more rounds of chemo starting in about a month after she heals from the surgery. But the, the wonderful news is that she's coming home tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi. Um, this is Lane Pack. Um, later today at two o'clock, um, across the street, um, at the at the Village Galleria, um, across the street, um, by the Cedarville Library, my dad's uh, my dad is the featured artist of the month um, yeah. uh, for this month. So he has a couple of his um, best works uh, hanging up there. So if you would all like to stop by later, that would be great. Yeah. Um, there will be food. All right. <laughs> there will be dumplings. Two o'clock. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there are joys. So today at like 1.30, we get to meet Ian's kindergarten teachers. He's been selected for the two-way immersion program at Aloha Huber Elementary. And this next week, Aylwin gets to realize what it feels like to work for 40 hours because band camp starts. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah Gary. This is Gary Michaels. Uh, Barbara and I have a joy we'd like to share. On Friday night, our son, Jeffrey, was married to Jamie. Yeah. And so we, we had a wonderful celebration. It was full of... Uh, everything they love, animals, Star Wars, <laughs> Harry, Harry Potter, and uh, all right. uh, it was a geek wedding. So anyway, yeah. uh, they leave tomorrow for Oahu, so we'd like to uh, have some blessings uh, on their uh, safe trip yeah. and future lives. Yeah, that's good. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, I asked prayers for my um, stepsister, Angela. She has been diagnosed with breast cancer and is really struggling with the chemo um, therapy that's happening right now. And so she's hospitalized at the moment. So just lift her up in your prayers as she, she um, battles through this journey that she has. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
Hi, Linda Springer, and first of all, the good news, I'm finally back, and I'm yeah. completely well. Thanks to all of you and all your prayers back, doing everything I have always done and will continue to do. However, I do have some very sad news. Um, I'll put that in the middle. One of my good younger friends, her son, who was only 33 years old, died in his sleep last Wednesday. And that's over in the Ben Redmond area. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's terrible. I know. Mm -hmm. Those of us who have lost children can really mm -hmm. relate to this. You don't expect that. Mm -hmm. Another piece of good news, though, Nate and Kai will have be celebrating their second anniversary tomorrow. I spoke to Karen Strongcheck this morning, and she's asking, and Bell is asking for prayers. Um, Bell has been having a really rough time um, the last couple days, and she looks like she's going back to the ER. She was there on Friday, um, and they're talking about taking her back today. So, um, if you could just pray for them, this is really a tough transitioning time for Bella. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing, and um, yeah, oh. get one back to Minerva. My name's Minerva Guerra. I'm going to see a doctor on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. I think I have some kind of psychiatrist, cancer or something. Okay. I don't know exactly what, but I just got to go back two days. Yeah. Yeah. We'll pray for you, Minerva. Yeah, thanks. Stay right here, Karen. Yeah. Carol Radcliffe. Yeah. I just want to ask everyone to pray hard. The good Lord will bless some researcher with a cure for cancer. Yeah. Cancer is awful, but watching someone you love go through those awful treatments is also pretty bad. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Carol. If you need prayer, you're not alone. And even if you couldn't say it into a microphone. You can write it in the bulletin in the tear-off section. Place that in the offering plates and know that we are praying for you. Know that you are not alone in whatever you're going through. We are a family brought together by God, and you are not alone. Let's pray together. Loving God, we are in your presence to acknowledge your goodness, to acknowledge the blessings, to acknowledge the ways that you love us, and to give thanks and God, we are a grateful people. And so God, thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your strength. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the blessings that you've poured into our lives. Thank you for the people that you've sent alongside of us so that we, we are never alone. Thank you, God. Thank you for this church. Thank you for friends. Thank you for a community that we can share our deepest needs together in. Thank you, God. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for blessing us beyond what we deserve, beyond what we know. Thank you, God. We give you thanks. Lord God, we give you thanks for this good creation. We give you thanks for the earth. We give you thanks for every good gift that comes from it. And God, above all else, we give you thanks that you've come to us so that we can know you in the person of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks that you've come to us, that you have entered into our world to save it, to redeem it, to save us, to redeem us, to transform us. Thank you for coming in Christ and speaking the words of hope, of love, of justice, 
thank you for coming in Christ and, and walking alongside those that are hurt the most, those that are overlooked, those that need your healing. Thank you, God, for coming in Christ and teaching us about the kind of people you've called us to be, people that reach out, people that love, just not just love the people that are easy to love, but to love the unlovable, to love the hurt, to love the downtrodden. Thank you, God, for demonstrating that love on the cross. Thank you for being raised to new life as a sign that everything, everything sacrificed, everything given is not lost, but that there is new life in you. Thank you, God, for coming in Jesus Christ. And God, even as we come to you and even as we stand in your presence giving thanks, Lord God, hear our prayers. You know where we need you. You know our struggles. You know our needs. And you ask us, you welcome us to lift up our prayers to you. And so we do, God. We pray for your healing. We pray that you would work through this world, that you would work through our sciences, that you would work through our hospitals and our doctors and our nurses and all of our care providers. We pray that you'd work and heal. Come, Lord, heal. We're even bold enough to ask that you would heal in miraculous ways, that you would go beyond what we've achieved so far, and God, that you would heal. Come, Lord, heal. God, this world is not yet as it should be, and so, God, we ask for your justice to come into this world to make things right for the oppressed, for those in slavery, for those that suffer. Come, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we lift up to you your church. We lift up to you this church, this gathering of disciples here. We lift up to you the churches throughout the world. And we pray the prayer that you prayed that your disciples, your believers would be one. And so, God, may it be so. Unify your church. May your people in every corner of this earth be a people where your love and your hope is spoken, received, felt. Be with your church, God. Lord God, we lift up to you our country. We lift up to you our leaders. We lift up to you our governments. We lift up to you the countries and governments and leaders throughout the world all those that have this responsibility of leading, protecting, guiding your people. God, we pray for our leaders. We pray that they would listen to your will, do what is right for your people. Be with our leaders, God. We even lift up our enemies, those that strike out in anger and fear and violence to destroy the things that you love. God, we know that you love them. And so, God, we pray for blessings upon them. We pray that your love would penetrate the hardest of hearts. We pray that you would soften our hearts as well. Come, Lord Jesus. We lift up to you all of our servicemen and women and all those that go into harm's way for the sake of others. We pray for safety. We pray for guidance. We pray that your presence would be with them even now. And God, for us today, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us and renew us again and again and again. We need you, God. And we don't know the mysteries of every circumstances, and we don't know the mysteries of why uh, maybe this circumstance can't get changed in this moment. But God, we do ask that no matter the circumstances, you would be with us. 
right there alongside of us. And God, we ask this with such confidence because that is exactly what you promised. You promised that you will be with us to the end of the age. And so, Lord, please keep your promises and be with us. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son and our Savior, the one who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The work of the church and the work of God doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings in this hour, but it happens throughout the week and all the different ministries that are happening through you and through this church. And so we like to take a little bit of time to talk about some of the ministries that are happening uh, this week. This week, uh, TJ, uh, TJ Bowling, he's our new youth pastor. He's got a couple of big events happening. On Thursday evening, there is an ice cream social for all teenagers and parents at the Sloop Home. Kimmy, you knew about that, right? That's, that's okay, good. Whew. Oh my goodness. All right, perfect. <laughs> and so any teenagers or parents um, come Thursday night to Kimmy's house at, I think, 7.30 and enjoy some ice cream and get to know TJ a little bit more. Also on Friday evening, uh, TJ and the teenagers will be painting the fireside room and, and kind of uh, individualizing that a little bit and giving it a, a facelift and a fresh look over there. So come out Friday night for that. Also, our all-church Camp Magruder camp is coming up at the last week of September. If you haven't been out to Camp Magruder, hopefully it won't rain and you get a chance to look at all the stars. That'll be wonderful. Uh, but it is beautiful. One of our United Methodist camps that's out on the beach is a beautiful time. It's wonderful out there. Um, you can talk to Amy Stevens for more information on that and get registered for that camp coming up the end of September. And then finally, tomorrow evening, we're hosting a concert here called Simply Pentabulous, where we're going to have five different musicians from all around the world sharing music uh, from different cultures, different, different sounds, and our very own Dave Shearer will be playing along with uh, the group tomorrow night. So that starts at 7.30, so come out for that concert tomorrow evening. As usual, there's more going on in the life of the church than we have time to share on Sunday morning. So we do send out a weekly email with everything that's going out. If you're not receiving that email, just uh, make sure you include your email address in the attendance registration form. Maybe like circle it and, you know, like put me on that list and we'll do our very best to get you on that list. If you're not getting it, maybe check your junk mail folder also. Um, not that our newsletter is junk by any means, but it might have made its way to there in your email. We continue worshiping this morning by receiving our morning tithes and offerings. This is an act of worship. God is creating in us generous people, and through generosity, the kingdom comes in this world. And so I thank you for your gifts. Nobody should feel pressured or coerced into giving, but do give with a cheerful heart. Ushers, you may come forward.
Praise God. Let us pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for all the gifts of life, and we confess to you today that everything we have is a gift from you. And so we give back to you out of what you've given to us. Receive these gifts and bless them and multiply them, and may your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Today we continue our sermon series on Abram and Sarai and God entering the world, God's plan to save the world, not by destroying it, but by entering it. And it starts with this couple, Abram and Sarai. But before we get into that, I want to talk a little bit about the most optimistic time in American Christianity. The most optimistic time happened towards the end of the 1800s during what's called the Second Great Awakening. It was a big time, especially for Methodists. Man, the Methodist camp meeting was the big thing at those times. And tons and tons of people were coming to faith and coming and being part of the church. At that time in the world, at that time in the United States, one out of every three Americans were Methodists. Can you believe that? That's incredible. And so during that time, it was, we call it the Second Great Awakening. It was a big um, optimistic time for the church in America. And it wasn't just about winning people to faith. It was a big movement for the, what they called the social gospel. They believed that, that God can change the way people live. They believed that God can change the world. They believed that the kingdom was near. And so the church and American Christianity started all these initiatives to end poverty, to end alcoholism, to establish justice for everyone, right? It was, the greatest, it was one of the most optimistic times in the beginning of uh, the 20th century, the end of the 19th century, with the advent of radio and the gospel message reaching out across seas they believed in the 20th century, the 1900s, that the gospel will reach everyone, and everyone will be a Christian. And so they actually called it the Christian century, right? There's a magazine out, there's a, um, a periodical called the Christian century still to this day. And so optimism was high in the early 1900s. Uh, people were excited about the faith. People were excited about what God can do through the church. And so initiatives went out to end violence, to end poverty, to end oppression and injustice. It was a high, optimistic time for American Christianity. And then a big war happened. A big war happened. The war to end all wars. The great war, they called it. World War, later on, we would call it World War I. After the Great War was over, Christian optimism was not over. In fact, Charles Clayton, the editor of the Christian Century in 1919, said of the Pack of Paris, he said this. He said, he said, <laughs> today, international war was banished 
from civilization. They believed the end of the Great War was the end of all wars. And in Kansas City, they erected this monument called the Liberty Monument. I think we have a picture up here. On that monument would be an eternal flame at the very top to signify the hope that we can change the world, the hope that we can end all violence, that we can end all oppression and injustice, that this hope never dies. They saw the Great War as just a little speed bump on the way to God's kingdom. And they wrote on that monument these scripture verses that were put together in the King James English. They wrote, Behold, a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed him. But violence shall be no more heard in thy land, wasting nor destruction within thy borders. What doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God? Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. They erected this monument with hope that God still marches forward, that God is still entering our land, that we will eradicate the injustices in this world. We will make all things right. That monument was finished in 1926, and three years later, um, we had the big stock market crash, diving our country into the Great Depression. A couple more years later, um, the Second World War happened. And, you know, they needed money for the war effort, and it became a little too expensive to keep that flame going on top of this monument. And so they extinguished that flame on this monument. And after the Second World War, and after we discovered how atrocious things really were, we lost a little bit of hope. We lost a little bit of optimism. They finally closed down that memorial altogether in 1994. And it was closed. And the flame was extinguished. I wonder if Abraham felt a little bit like that memorial. Abraham is 75 years old when God calls him to this mission. He says, Abraham, things are not over yet for you, for me, for the world. I want to do something with you. Come out with me. Go out in faith and follow me, and I will change the world through you. I will bless the world through you. Abraham, Abraham is 75 years old, and he says, okay, let's do this. Let's try. And then a year goes by, still no children. Okay, God, I'm 76 now. <laughs> you know, we're not getting any younger. When's this child going to come? A couple more years go by, and the child doesn't come, and the child doesn't come, and Abraham starts to lose hope. See, God's whole plan was to change the world, to save the world, save the cosmos from within the cosmos, to go into the world. This is what we call God's long-term rescue plan. He's not going to flood the world again. He's not going to destroy the world again. He's not going to try to do it by destroying every wicked person. God's going to save the world by entering the world, and it starts with Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah. And so Abraham says, I'm game. What do you give me, God? God says, I give you promises. This is all I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some promises. I'm going to bless you, and you are going to bless the world through your children and through your family. 
after a couple of years go by, Abraham starts to lose some of that hope. What if the promises aren't true? What if, what if this isn't going to happen? What if I don't have these promises? So Abraham goes to God and says, God, where's this kid? Where is this family that you promised? Where is this new world where we're blessing everyone? What are you going to do, God? And God doesn't argue his case. Instead, what God does, he challenges us and, and challenges Abram to expand his imagination, to open up a little bit. God says to Abram, come on out here. Come out here at night. Let's look up at the skies. God doesn't argue. He doesn't say, this is how an older couple is going to have children. He doesn't give him a biology lesson. He doesn't tell him how he's going to do it. God doesn't justify his promises. Instead, he challenges Abraham to dream bigger. He says, come out here and look at the stars. Look at all these stars, these galaxies. That's what your family's going to be like. Don't worry. You are going to bless people beyond what you can imagine. The world is going to be changed by you. Dream bigger. This is just like God. God doesn't need to justify his promises. Instead, he challenges us to imagine more, to increase our imagination, right? When people came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, are you the guy? Are you the Messiah? Are you the one that's going to save us? Are you the one that's going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus didn't say, well, let me tell you who my dad is and who my dad's dad is. And let me prove to you how I'm the, the son of King David. And yes, I belong on the throne. Jesus doesn't do that at all. When people challenge what Jesus is doing, yeah, he expects them to increase their imagination. He says, well, what do you think? Blind people are seeing. The lame are walking again. The deaf can hear. Some people who have died are living again. What do you think the restoration of the kingdom of Israel really looks like? He challenges their notions, asks them to dream bigger. Yeah, I am the Messiah, but I'm doing something way bigger than you can even imagine. About 55 years ago, a little bit more than that, the good people of Beaverton First United Methodist Church, they looked north, and they saw this land, and they saw that it was empty, and they knew they could see the houses. They could see the neighborhoods up here. They could see and envision the future people that would come and live in this area called Cedar Mill. And they started to dream. And they thought, God's calling us to love and serve those people up there. We have to go there. We have to start a church there. And because they dreamed and they saw this greater vision, for Beaverton First United Methodist Church gave birth to Christ United Methodist Church you and me because we are here today because the people listen to God's dreams and they vision together with God God says to us can you grow your imagination what are your dreams for your life what is God calling you to do how are you called to change the world Abraham is out there under the stars and he see and God says look Abraham I promise you you are going to bless the world. Look at the stars. This is how many of your descendants there will be. A crazy amount. 
trust me, believe in me. And then Abraham says, yeah, but... Any parents ever hear a child say, yeah, but before? Oh, man. <sighs> Driving three hours to go camping. We're going to be there soon. Yeah, but I'm so tired. <clears throat> and I can feel my blood begin to boil a little bit. And so when Abram says to God, yeah, but, yeah, but how am I really going to know that you're really going to do this? I feel God's anger a little bit start to rise up. Maybe some storm clouds start to come in. Maybe we see a hint of a rainbow starting. God starts to get a little upset at Abram, and I can hear it in God's voice. He says, Abram, go get me a goat. Go get me a calf. Go get me a ram. Go get me a pigeon, and go get me a dove, and cut them in half, and meet me here at sunset tomorrow. Now, if you're Abram, you know what this means. But if you were born in the 20th century, you have no idea what this means. So let me tell you <laughs> what this means. There is an ancient, ancient ritual. When a country or a city-state conquers another country or city-state, they don't destroy them. They don't obliterate them. They fight until the fighting is over, until they've decided who is the, who is the victor, who is the conqueror, and who are the ones that have been conquered. And then they take the people of the conquered city and they line them up in a row and they line them up against this path and they take the dead and they take the animals and the livestock and they cut them in half and lay them on each side of this trail. And they would take the conquered people and force them to walk down this path as they recited the terms of their new slavery position. It's grotesque, but it's effective. So you walk this path and you pledge your loyalty to the new conqueror, knowing that if you step out of line, you could be like these animals that you are walking in between. So God says to Abram, go get a calf, go get a ram, go get these birds, go get this goat, cut them in half, meet me at sunset tomorrow night. So Abram does it, and he's scared. <laughs> oh man, I've stepped in it. One too many yeah buts. And so Abraham sets it up, cuts the calf in half, cuts the goat in half, cuts the ram in half, leaves the birds, but they're dead. And, and he shows up at sunset, and at one end, Abraham stands. Then God shows up in the other end, in a vessel, a clay pot with a flame inside of it. Throughout the Old Testament, fire is what God chooses to reveal himself as. We have the burning bush, we have the chariot of fire. Anytime in the Old Testament you see flames or fire, that is God revealing God's self. God shows up at the other end of this trail. And God recites the terms of their agreement. God says, I am the Lord who brought you out of your hometown. I have promised you that you will be a blessing to all nations. I have promised you that you will have descendants that outnumber the stars. Let me tell you exactly what will happen. You will have a child, and he will have a child, and he will be the father of a great nation. 
but they will go into slavery for 400 years. And then after that, they will return to this land. This I promise you. And I imagine Abram starts to take that first step to walk down this path. But before he takes that first step, here comes God walking down that path. God walks that path to Abram as if to say, this is what I promise you and my life is on the line. I promise you that I will do this and I love you so much. You can take this to the bank. I swear it on my own life that I will bless you. I swear it on my own life that you will be a blessing to this world. This is the kind of God that we worship. A God that would rather put his life on the line than your life on the line. A God who is going to work through you to change the world and promises it himself. This is our God. This is the God that we worship. So what, would, what can we pull out of this? We can pull out a couple of assertions, a couple of things that we can know from this. First of all, this tells me that we can trust God's promises. God's promises are true. God will accomplish in you what God has called you to. God calls you to dream big. Dream big, and God will do it. Dream big. We've been dreaming big here at the church. We've been doing a lot of stuff in this last, I've been here for one year, and uh, we got some big dreams. A lot of big stuff has happened. We did, we did some awesome stuff this year. We built a house in our church parking lot for, for a, a family, for uh, Carrie, Courtney, and Gavin. We took a team down to Oaxaca, Mexico, and we assembled and brought down water filters that would produce over 100 million liters of water for a poor, forgotten community of 18,000 Wave people in the southern coast of Mexico. As we were planning some of these initiatives in this last year, um, there was a little bit of murmuring. There was a little bit of, we're doing too much. How can we do this? How, like, pastor, you're asking too much of us. Pastor, you might be able to do this because you're young. You, can, you got the energy for it, but we can't do this. We took five people over the age of 70 on that mission trip, and I was trying to keep up with them, right? I don't think we did too much. I don't think Courtney and Gavin and Carrie think we were doing too much, that we were going, that we were overreaching our dreams. I don't think the Wave people think we were doing too much, that we were stretching ourselves too far. God is asking us to dream big and to do big things. And God says, I promise you, you will bless the world. So those promises are true. The second thing I think about is that the promises are delayed. God is open with Abraham on this. He says, look, yeah, I promise you you'll be a father of great descendants, but you're going to die at a good old age, and you're not going to see it. This blessing, it's a long-term project. It's going to happen down the road. You will have a son. We know him as Isaac. Isaac will have a son. We know him as Jacob or Israel. Jacob or Israel, they'll ha he 
will have 12 sons, the tribes of Israel. They will grow into a great nation while under slavery. It's a long-term project. God's promises are delayed. Sometimes God promises us stuff. And we want to see it tomorrow. We want to see it right now. God's got a bigger vision. God's got a bigger plan. Sometimes it's too slow for us. But I promise you it's slow because God loves absolutely everyone. God is making space and time for others to get on board. It's a slow project. But it's born on love. And the last thing, we don't have to be anxious about these promises. We don't have to be anxious. You might not see the end of your goals. You might not see the end of the way that you are blessing the world. The people that started this church 55 years ago, very few of them know who you are. Very few of them see you. Very few of them know the work that we've done here, but the work we've done here is because of the work that they have done. And they are blessed for it. There's a lot of work that you are involved in now. You may not see the end of it. But God has called you to work, to move the ball down the field a little bit. You might not be the one that ends up in the end zone. But if you play your part, then we can win. Then we can get there. God's promises are true. God lays his life down on the line for him. God's promises are delayed. God's promises move slow for the sake of love. And you, my friends, you have nothing to worry about. You have no reason to be anxious about this. They may come to fulfillment after your time, and that's okay, because you will be blessed to be a blessing. This is our God. A couple of action steps that come out of this sermon, a couple of things that I like to think about here. The first thing I want you to do, I want you to keep praying this prayer, this breath prayer, I am blessed to be a blessing. Make this part of your devotions. As you inhale, breathe in, I am blessed. And as you exhale, breathe out to be a blessing to others. We have some cards um, that say, I am blessed to be a blessing. Those are still available. You can pick those up on the way out. Our ushers have those. If that card helps you to remind yourself that you've been blessed to be a blessing, uh, take that card, put it someplace, put it in your wallet, put it in your mirror, put it on your refrigerator where you can see it and just take a moment to inhale. God has blessed me. I'm blessed to be a blessing to the world, to be a blessing to others. Second thing is I want you to dream big. Dream big about our church, what we're doing here. Um, in just a couple of weeks, September 9th, we are going to go to two services. We're going to have a more traditional service that's in the chapel, and we will have a contemporary service that meets here. Be why are we doing this? We're creating room because we believe God is going to bring in people. We believe God is gathering in more people. We have a dream. We have a calling to be Christ United Methodist Church right here in Cedar Mill. And in order to do that, in order to uh, fulfill our calling here, we got to grow a little bit. We got to make room for more people. So we're going to two services. And what is that doing? That's changing some of the things. It's changing what doors we enter. It's changing the way we s arrange our furniture in the hub. It's changing the way that we are interacting with each other. And so as, as we think about how we grow here, 
I want you to pray and think about how is God calling me to participate in these two different services. I'll tell you what we need. We need more ushers. We need more greeters. We need more people working um, the audio-visual team. We need more servants on Sunday mornings. So maybe God is calling you to worship at one service and serve during, another, during the other service. Oh my goodness, is Pastor Rick asking me to be here for two hours on Sunday morning? Maybe I am. <laughs> I want you to think about it. Dream about it. How is God calling you to participate as we reach more people on Sunday morning? And then uh, the last one, I want you, this action. I want you to know that our denomination, who we are, we've always been a people that put our faith into action to change the world. At our last uh, general conference, we uh, initiated, initiated an initiative. <laughs> we began an initiative, an, an initiative called Abundant Health. And we want to raise health in all of our churches and around the world. And one of the initiatives that's a part of Abundant Health is to bring health care uh, to one million children around the world who do not currently have it. So I encourage you to go to umcabundanthealth.org and find out more about our denomination, about how we are um, pushing abundant health, holistic living in our churches and around the world. So that's one of the things that you can do. Let me finish off by talking about Kansas City again. Um, they, they closed down the memorial, Liberty Memorial, in 1994. And then... Um, in 2001, 9-11 uh, happened, and we were hit pretty hard. And we were wondering, is evil going to win? Is death and destruction and violence, oppression and greed and hatred, is this just a given for our world? Um, is evil just winning? Some people in Kansas City said, no, no. We can do the right thing. There can be hope in this world. God still is working in this world. God can still fulfill his promises if we are on board. And so in 2002, they started raising money. And in 2004, they relit the flame. And in 2013, they reopened the, the war museum underneath it as a way of saying, no, God is still active in our world. Maybe you need to relight your flame today. Maybe you need to rekindle that hope that God can bless the world through you, that your actions and your work are not done in vain. You may not see the promised land, but God is working through you, and through your work, the world will be changed. It's with that in mind, with that need to rekindle our fires, that we come to this table today. On the night when Christ handed himself over for our sake, he gathered his disciples together for a meal, and he changed it a little bit. And he took the bread, and after giving thanks to his Father in heaven, he shared it with his disciples, and he said, Take and eat, all of you. This bread represents my body, which is given for you. As often as you eat this, know that God has a plan for saving the world, not by destroying it, but by entering it. And you are a part of that plan. As often as you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. And after giving thanks to his Father in heaven, he shared it with his disciples. And he said, take and drink, all of you. 
This cup represents my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink this, know that all your sins are forgiven. Every failure, mistake, wrongdoing, they are done away with. There is nothing that can separate yourself from the love of God. And God calls you to go into this world, to bless it, to change it, to right the wrongs, to stomp out injustice. As often as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. I'll invite our communion servers to come forward at this time to prepare the table, serve one another. I'll also invite our uh, musicians to come forward and receive communion. Here in the United Methodist Church, we celebrate an open table, and what that means is absolutely everyone is welcome to come forward and receive communion. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. Uh, the only requirement to coming forward is a desire to experience God in this moment, a desire to relight your flame, say, God, here I am. Send me. So it, all are truly welcome. In just a moment, we'll have our ushers dismissed by row. We start at the back of the, ro back of the room and then work our way forward. Um, when you are invited forward, come down the center aisle. Approach somebody that's holding a piece of bread. We'll break off a small piece for you and place it into your hands. If you then take that bread and dip it in the cup of juice just a little ways and consume it that way. After you've received communion, if you want to take a moment to uh, pray here at the chancel steps, that's always welcomed and encouraged. After that, you can head back to your seats down the side aisles, and we'll continue singing and praising God together. We do have gluten-free elements available for you as well. Our acolytes will have those off to the side here. I think the table is set. These are the gifts of God for you, the people of God. Feast on Christ in your hearts through the, uh, with thanksgiving and through faith. You may come.
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. T'was grace. Well 